Hi, my name is Laura, and I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Hi, friends. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm on the pastoral team here, and happy to be uh, continuing with you in the essential series that we're in, talking specifically about the Holy Spirit and his work and his life and his involvement in the life of a Christian. I heard a humorous story recently. A young boy proudly stood in front of his class with a baseball bat in one hand and a baseball in the other and proudly announced, I am the best baseball player in the whole world. To which he followed with some actions. He threw the ball up in the air. Strike. He, he missed the ball. Picked the ball up, threw it up again. Strike two. He missed the ball again. Threw the ball up a third time. Strike. He missed the ball a third time. Bending over to pick the ball up in his hand, he got a curious look on his face and then shared publicly in front of the whole class, hmm, well, I'm actually the best pitcher in the whole world. So funny. I think sometimes as Christians, we carry desires and dreams and aspirations and we even sometimes make announcements. And when we strike out or fall short, these things don't come to pass. We feel quite misplaced, perhaps discouraged, and inappropriately change our definition of who we are, who we think we are. We move from a batter to uh, perhaps what we feel is a secondary position of being a pitcher. Friends, the, the Christian life is not about mustering up the way and the will to do the right things in a glorious, glamorous way. It's more about surrender. Surrendering to God to make us into something that gives glory to him, helps us, and then of course, perhaps from time to time, God is able to use us in a way that helps others. God has come to help us be a batter or a pitcher. He's come to help us. And that's certainly what the Holy Spirit has come to do. Perhaps that is why so many times when Jesus was teaching on earth in the Gospels, he made reference to the person of the Holy Spirit, sharing to those early disciples in that early church, don't miss this, the necessary work of the Holy Spirit within your life. In John 14, verses 16 to 17, it was worded this way, 
Jesus says he will give you another advocate or helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Jesus' promise in John 14 did come to pass in the text that Laura read earlier in our service on the day of Pentecost, where the description of what happened that day is found in Acts chapter 2, our text, verses 1 to 8. Here, Acts chapter 2 is the first-hand account of Jesus gifting Christians with his spirit. What a fulfillment of promise. God coming right down to the closest possible place, which of course is within a person. This of what happened in Acts chapter 2 was, was that which was always on God's mind. And we looked at this a few weeks ago. God's interest to come close and to draw near where God would, would uh, interact with people and people would interact with God. We think of Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve encountering God. We think of Exodus 40 verse 34 when they built a tabernacle and, and the description is the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and, and God met with people and people met with God. We follow the narrative into 2 Chronicles 5.14. The glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And of course, people met with God. Move that narrative into the New Testament and we see Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And people meeting with God when they met with Jesus and God meeting with people as Jesus was up close and personal helping people. So that narrative continues in Acts chapter 2 in our text, verse 4. After the ascension in Acts chapter 1, we read the events of, of our text, Acts chapter 2, describing uh, the room where these 120 apostles were gathered was filled with the great evidence or manifestation of the Holy Spirit who had come close. And it was influencing people, it was helping people. We, we read, Laura read of, of the sound of a roaring of a mighty windstorm that filled the house where they were sitting. It was noted of the sight of, of what looked like flames or tongues of fire appearing and settling on each of them. Wow. What must be careful to be noted here is God had not come to dwell in the confines of an upper room. The transformative thing that took place that day was that people, disciples, ordinary men and women were filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, while the events of that day were supernatural and certainly still captures the attention of many, what is most meaningful was that of, of what happened within the lives of the disciples, which again was the literal infilling of their lives with the living presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Again, a beautiful narrative of God drawing near from the garden, the tabernacle, the temple to Jesus to the addition of the coming of the Holy Spirit into the very lives of Christians on earth where a new temple was established, a new sanctuary, 
a new dwelling place for God on earth where God would meet with people and people would meet with God right in here in the hearts and lives of ordinary people. So on the day of Pentecost, what we see is God's perhaps last stop, his plan, no other plan now. God's last stop, again, the garden, the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus' last stop is now to dwell within the hearts and lives of Christians. And that will be his last stop until he ushers in a new kingdom of heaven and earth and we will be with him for all eternity. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So the question, why is this so important of an event, an invitation for us to consider and accept? Well, let's consider the two promises in Acts chapter 1 that were fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. The first promise in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was worded this way. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's a promise. Some dismiss this promise because of an unsettling word in that promise called power. But let me ask you, what other word would Luke the recorder of this be, be more appropriate than the word power. Think about it. For a Christian to be filled with the very presence of the God that made the earth, the moon, the stars. For a Christian to be filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. What other word but power would be appropriate? You will be filled with power. I think it's an appropriate word. But it should not be a misunderstood word. Let's, let's be careful to understand what, what Scripture means by the word power within. This is not mustered up, manipulative human power or human personality or charisma. This is a, a humble gift offered by the Holy Spirit. The gift of God's divine presence literally filling a human, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He filled the garden, he filled the tabernacle, he filled the temple, he filled Jesus, and now he has come to be up close and personal as he seeks to fill the Christian life. This power is not about dominance or about temple takeover or the loss of human control. No, at all. This power, this infilling within a Christian would be best understood as the involvement and influence of a helper, the advocate. This exact word is paraclete, which means the one who has come to help. The one who has come to help. The influence, the, you will receive power. You will receive the help of the Holy Spirit. Wow, the strength of help. The power that comes with help and assistance. Friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the infilling of what Jesus wanted us to note is the infilling of a helper to establish God's kingdom within us, around us, all for God's glory and for human benefit. 
So the first promise is you will receive power, you'll receive help when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The second promise in Acts chapter 8, fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, is and you will be my witnesses. The promise that Christians would become a witness, which is a noun, was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, when the Holy Spirit gave Christians another tongue as a prayer language. Acts 2 verse 4, Laura read it earlier, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. In what ways is this empowering or enabling? Well, let me, let me suggest a few things. By giving a Christian this gift of another tongue or inspired speech, so many good things happen. Why would this be an important gift? Well, think about it. If at any time a Christian doubted that they were empowered by God to be a witness, they would simply be able to reference the gift of inspired speech or another language to confirm the fact that God has truly filled them and does dwell within their very lives. What a, what a gift. What a promise fulfilled. This is awesome. This constant reminder within that our lives are more than what we're thinking or what we're feeling. We are, as Christians, filled with the very presence of God. A God who is here to influence and help our thinking and our feeling and our living. What a gift. What a gift. God also enables our witness by imparting a gift that allows more regular and intimate relational prayer. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. So what is the gift of tongues? The Bible teaches that God created us with a totality of body, which is frame, soul, which is our inner man, and spirit. So when we pray with tongues, we are relying on the most important part of our being, which is our spirit. What a gift. Our spirit talking to God using the gift of a mysterious language. And then the Bible describes it as another tongue or another language. Again, the word another is not addition, but by distinction. It's another language other than our primary language. For my primary language is English, Plus, I speak in another language when I pray in tongues. So what happens when we pray in tongues? Again, many Christians are most familiar with prayer in their first language. Again, for me, that's English. A prayer that involves, in English, our mind, our emotions, and our reason, and how important it is for us to pray in our first common language. But praying in tongues is also important. For it is prayer in another type of language. Praying in tongues is one of the most personal verbal exchanges a Christian will ever have. While it does involve our mind, our will, and our emotions, praying in tongues allows us to get out of the way 
so that our spirit can communicate with our heavenly father. What a gift. For it's less about getting our words right and articulating our concerns and our cares. It's worded this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words or our first language. And the Father who knows our hearts, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying for the Spirit, pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. See, praying in tongues is, talk, is taking all of ourselves to God, all of our body, all of our mind, all of our emotion, all of our spirit, and it's, it's, it's giving all of this to God and finding all the benefits of this when we pray in another language. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. I have found that to be very personally true. Our body doesn't influence our spirit, our soul, for that we think of our mind, our conscience, our will, and our emotion doesn't influence our spirit. No, when we speak in tongues, our spirit influences our body by way of strength and courage and healing. And furthermore, when we speak in tongues, our spirit influences our soul. As our mind is renewed, our emotions are, are enlivened, and it gives us greater capacity in, in physically and emotionally. Wow. Oh, the joy of sensing God's nearness through this beautiful prayer language, up close and personal, providing the help we need to live a responsible life. What a joy to pray in tongues and to see again and again that while God is so personal and caring, God is so different than us. And oh, how we need God to be different than us. He comes as a helper. What a good, good gift. Oh, the joy. When I don't know what to pray, I can pray in tongues and sense the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper getting involved. Oh, the joy to see burdens and cares that I carry lifted as I pray in tongues and can sense the relief of God. As he becomes closer and nearer, he becomes I become aware of his active help in my life and in the world around. And all oh, the joy of praying in tongues as I, I find, I, I take my proper place in the narrative of God as God is all about restoring his kingdom on earth in me and around me. And all that is so hopeful. What a gift. And finally, God enables our witness by giving power or help so we can become confident as we tell others about Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, this is what happens, Acts chapter 2. Those standing near, Laura read it, saw things and they heard things coming out of the mouths of ordinary Christians and it really caught their attention. Something was going on and they became so curious and so attentive. Later that day, Peter stood up, Acts chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, he stood up and preached the gospel message and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ for the very first time. Wow. 
for the disciples in the upper room, for Peter that day, that was empowerment. All the demonstration of, a, of an ordinary people operating uh, with the power of God as they serve with the gifts and they served with inspired speech. For this is how the kingdom of God will go forward. This is God's final stop and final strategy. As he moves his kingdom along with good works and with good speech. Uh, good works. Uh, Luke talked about that two weeks ago when he talked about the fruit of the Spirit and how influential a life filled with the Spirit expressing fruit can really help. And Kirsten last week talking about the practical gifts of the Spirit, how, the, how we benefit through the expression of the character and expression of Jesus through our lives. And of course here, the baptism of inspired speech. Wow, so that people would know through our speech and through our story. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says, and how can they hear? They meaning those who have not heard. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Oh, the importance of spirit-empowered testimony of the things that Jesus Christ is doing and can do. I want to say in closing, <laughs> I want to be honest, I, I, I sometimes think, and, and again, this is just my musing with this, but I, I sometimes think that God gets a bit of a chuckle <laughs> when people like me try to describe the infilling of the Holy Spirit Yeah, to think that we could ever, to think that ever we could become experts describing and talking about the, the good work of the Holy Spirit. I read earlier from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it says, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will, I mean, it's right in Scripture, but it will all be a little mysterious. I'm okay with that because I trust the character and I trust the goodness of God. So today I would say, yeah, forgive us, Holy Spirit. If we've reduced a relationship with you to some kind of a, hey, I've been there and I've done that. I'd say, forgive us, Holy Spirit, if, if perhaps because of pride or fear, we've, we've, we've kept ourselves from seeking all the goodness and gifts that you want to lavish upon us, O oh God. Today, I'd say, forgive us, Holy Spirit, if we've grieved you or ignored you. And today, I'd say, forgive us, Holy Spirit, when we've, we move along somewhat independent of you and not relying on the power or the help or the assistance that you so longingly want to give to us. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. I was at a church camp and it was the last day of what was called boys and girls camp. Saturday night, the last day of camp and it was late in the evening and that evening at the end of the service, what began is all kinds of kids at the front of the church uh, praying to God ended up with just me at the altar. 
Again, it was the last day of kids camp and by 11 o'clock, uh, they were uh, setting up for youth camp, which was starting the next day. And that room was important to become a dorm. They were filling that room up with beds. For the kids camp was our chapel and for youth camp it was gonna become dorms. So they were clearing chairs and they were clearing out the, the sound systems and they were setting up beds. And by 11 o'clock and 11.30, they had pretty much cleared the room except for this tiny spot where I was, 12 years old. I'll never forget the day. I was 12 years old. I didn't know too much. I still don't. But what I, what I did know that day is that I needed help. I needed help. And I was told through scripture and through what I was taught during that camp that the Holy Spirit wanted to fill me, to help me, to help me. Wow, I really needed it. And I was so glad that that day I was able to stay to the end, if you would, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of inspired speech. I got home that night. My parents finally came and found me, actually, and took me home. And I remember that first night, just like I'm sitting here today, I remember it. I, I couldn't get to sleep. I was so thankful. I felt so joyous. I felt happy. I felt recognized by God. And I also remember what I felt was my growing first assignment. And this is so humorous. My closest friend was at camp and he was my same age, but he had a little sister who he did not like. And my best friend at the time and his little sister, man, they used to argue terribly. And I remember my first assignment as a empowered disciple of Jesus, I felt was the inspired speech of telling my best friend he needed to lay off so funny. He needs, to, he needs to lay off from his little sister and he needed to work hard at building relationship with him. <laughs> that was my first assignment. I remember the next morning getting up and getting on my bike and traveling through camp and finding him and, and, and witnessing what I felt would be helpful to him. Uh, I can't say that turned out very good uh, in terms of the results, but I know that day I felt I did what the Lord asked me to do. Inspired speech. So what about you today? What about you and your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Perhaps as we close and uh, prepare to further worship the Lord together, perhaps you'd raise a hand with me. And by raising a hand would say, oh God, I... Today, I, I, I choose to, with greater intention, make room for the work of the Holy Spirit within my life. May I encourage you today, throughout today, perhaps tonight, maybe tomorrow, to begin to intentionally pray with me. Holy Spirit, fill me over and over again. May I encourage you today to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
to receive the infilling of the helper who wants to come alongside you to make your life better? And may I encourage you, friend, to pray in tongues as the Spirit enables you. Yes, it will feel maybe mysterious, but trust the character and goodness of God. And may you begin in the most intimate and personal way, develop a prayer language and a prayer intimacy that will transform our lives for the better and certainly not for the worse. God has good things for us. So let's worship him and let's seek him with all of our heart as the spirit draws near and helps us. So let's pray. God, today, we thank you for your heart to draw near. We thank you that you have come up close and personal. This final stop is that you would dwell within our hearts and within our lives, and we receive you, Holy Spirit. We allow you today to baptize us with your spirit. We ask for intimate prayer languages and prayer moments. We thank you. You're a good God and you have so many good things for us. And to those things we say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come.